Well, good morning. <coughs> Let me start by uh, reading in uh, James chapter 5, verse 13 through 20. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith, uh, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain in three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Will you pray with me? Lord, this morning as we come to the end of James, we see this call to prayer and we know that For many of us, it's difficult to actually know how or what to pray in times of suffering, in times of sickness, even in times of praise and cheerfulness. So we pray that, Holy Spirit, you would come. You would open our ears and our hearts and our minds to hear the truth of the word. We know that your word is powerful. We know that your word is true and can bring healing. And so, Lord, we pray for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So my name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're a guest, welcome. Um, We've been in, for the last two months, in a series called James, the book of James, and it's about faith, in action, right? And we've, we've said that James was the brother of Jesus, that he um, is, is kind of like a wise sage, right? He's traveled with Jesus, he's watched Jesus, and he's learned from Jesus, and what he's doing in the letter um, that James writes to his church is helping them understand how to live out the challenge of faith. And so we get to the end here, and we're wrapping it up in James uh, 5, 13, 13 through 20. And his instruction, when we read it, is um, an instruction of prayer. And for many of us, or for some of us, we hear this conclusion, and instead of feeling uplifted or encouraged, we actually feel um, disheartened. We feel like we're at the end of our rope already, end of ourselves, 
<clears throat> and James calls us to prayer. A lot of times we've been disappointed over the years of our prayers not being answered or our prayers feeling like they've fallen on deaf ears or our par- prayers just not enough. And we don't find healing in that. We actually find fear and um, anxiety, right, when people just ask us to pray. And so what I want to do this morning is, is walk with you through, um, through my understanding of this passage and how actually over this last year God has used this passage to help me understand what prayer and um, the challenge of faith looks like. So if you would just indulge me as I kind of tell some of my story over the past year and then weave in um, the truth of this, uh, this ending of James. Um, so last year around this time, uh, I got a call at midnight. And um, my sister says, is on the other line, she says, I have to take mom into the ER. And I was like, at midnight, what happened? And she goes, well, her primary physician called and said she had done blood tests that morning and they were way out of whack. And if she doesn't get into the ER, they, she might have a heart attack or something like that. And so we rushed down to the ER and um, they found out there, we found out there that her kidneys were failing. And, um, and so we were just kind of like, oh, wow, this is crazy because she's supposed to head out to Vietnam in a couple weeks and now she's kind of stuck here. And um, so after that, they did more tests. She got out of the ER. And about two or three weeks later, my sister was taking her uh, to a doctor appointment. And on the way to this doctor appointment, not even more than half a mile from her home, my mom passes out in the car. She like stops breathing and just kills over. My sister pulls over and calls 911. They take my mom to the nearest hospital, which is just a mile and a half away, and she's in the ER again. I get that call, I rush down there, and my mom's hooked up to all these masks and everything, and um, she looks like hell. She looks horrible. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? You know, like, okay, this is real, and... um, I remember sitting in the ER with her. The rest of my family had had left to take a break. And she starts having a hard time breathing. She starts having a hard time, um, yeah, she's not breathing. She's kind of starting to lose consciousness. And the doctor in the room was like, I hear this wrestling out. They start pulling out these tubes. And they're like, we're going to have to intubate her. And I was like, well, no, no, you cannot do that because she's not going to be able to communicate. She's not. And I'm like, start, I'm like praying. I was like, Jesus, bring healing. Like, stop this, right? And so I'm yelling at my mom, Mom, wake up. They're going to put a tube down your throat. She's just like, huh? Huh? And she actually wakes up. And they, they don't um, intubate her at that time, Right? scariest moment in my life. Most anxious I've ever been. And 
you know, after that, she recovers. They get her into a hospital bed um, and basically have to start dialysis, right? So they put together a plan, and for the last year, my mom has been um, doing dialysis three times a week. And so in this, in this kind of last year, when I think about prayer and when I'm reading a passage like James, there's, there's this eye-opening, these eye-opening moments with Holy Spirit as he kind of helps me understand what, what the word is, is really saying, okay? So in James 13, it starts, is anyone... Any, one among you suffering, let him pray. So it's easy for me to, in the past year, to look at my mom and see that she's suffering. Right? When she has to go to dialysis and they put the stuff in her, her arm and they run these tubes and she's just been suffering. Right? But what I didn't recognize was that I was also suffering. My family was also suffering. And I think part of that is because we don't have actually an understanding of suffering in in the way that James was talking. Really, suffering means this. Suffering is hardship and adversity. All of us actually have some kind of hardship in our life or some kind of adversity in our life. All of us actually experience suffering, but we sit and we compare it to everybody else's. Right? I sit there and go, I've seen suffering. I have my mom this year, but other people around me have lost their parents. Other people around me have lost their aunties and their uncles or their grandparents. And I sit there and go, but I'm not suffering. But the truth is, if I read the word and I understand really what James is saying, he's saying suffering is hardship and adversity. There's that lie, though, right, that we sit there and go, well, it's not enough suffering, so I'm not going to pray. We don't need to sit and compare our suffering with other people's. What we need to do, actually, is to understand that we have hardship, we have adversity, and James is calling us to pray. Right? We all need to pray through those moments. Now, let me address something really quick in regards to prayer. Sometimes I think our English language actually fails us. And so, if you look at the English definition in the, in the um, dictionary, it says this. Prayer is a solemn request for help or expression of thanks addressed to God or an object of worship. Prayer is a solemn request for uh, request for help or an expression of thanks addressed to God or an object object of worship. If we take that definition and we think through it, and that's how we are actually defining the way that we interact with God, 
right? It fails us. Prayer isn't just giving thanks to God and asking God to grant wishes and desires. That's Santa Claus, right? Prayer isn't for us as believers putting in our prayer request, pulling a slot machine and hoping that we win and get our wishes granted. Prayer isn't just throwing out a request into the air and hoping something comes back. Christian prayer is different. Christian prayer looks like this. It's literally this. It's an interaction with the Lord, God. It's an interaction with the Lord, and we switch our human wishes and our ideas for his wishes, and and then he imparts faith. Let me read that again. I messed that up. It's to interact with the Lord by switching human wishes and ideas for his wishes as he imparts faith. Okay? And faith is this. It's being persuaded or coming to trust in Christ's truth. Right? There's a difference there. When we sit and we actually exchange our desires, our wishes... For God's desires, his wishes, his kingdom, his truth. That's different than just throwing up and lobbing up a prayer and hoping it gets answered. So that's what, he, what James is asking us to do. When we're suffering, pray. So I prayed through this year with suffering, Right? I had to pray and hand over my desires. I interacted with God, sometimes wrestling with God, and handed over my own desires, my own weaknesses, and trusting Jesus and his outcomes. And as I did this, Holy Spirit, he reminded me the truth of God, the truth of what Christ has done. And he pushes me out of all the lies and all the fears into kingdom. It's a different interaction when you're praying by faith. It's a different interaction when you are a believer and you're trusting God is better than what you can create. So let's move on. And it says... James instructs, is anyone among you cheerful? Are you happy? Are you joyful? Is anyone among you cheerful? Sing praise. Literally, James is saying, make music. Sing praise, make music. It's more than just being thankful. Right? We always talk about being people of thanksgiving, but there's more to it in James's definition, right? Sing praises. It changes the way that you feel. It changes the way that you actually express yourself to God. Why is he saying sing praises? He's saying this so that when we do this, when we acknowledge that God is good, it actually reminds us of the Father's faithfulness and the hope 
of his kingdom. So when I'm cheerful, when I actually have something to be happy and joyful about, even in the midst of a year of suffering and hardship, there's times where it's actually funny, some of the things that we experienced this year. It's actually, there's times of actually joy that's actually happening in the midst of suffering. I don't have to be solemn. I don't have to walk around going, yeah, but somebody, like, my mom is just so sick. Yeah, she's sick, but there's still good things happening. God's still good. And if I don't acknowledge it, then I will keep running down and spiraling into death, into tiredness, and just give in to that. When there's good things that God is doing, sing praises. Talk about how good he is. Talk about the things that make you happy and joyful because God is good. Moments of cheerfulness we know are actually difficult in the times of suffering. I'm not saying that ignore it, but there's a point where we actually have to go, God's still good. He's still doing the work of the kingdom. And we can acknowledge it and actually experience it. Is anyone among you sick? So the first question that I've been asked when we read this passage is, how sick? How sick do you have to be before you actually call somebody? And what kind of sick? Is it like just physical sick? Or like, I mean, do you have to have kidney failure to call somebody to, to ask for prayer? Like, again, we get caught up in just this overthinking, right? And again, our language fails us, right? Because sickness actually, what... What they're understanding in the time that this was written was sickness is actually just weakness. Sick equals weak, right? So are you weak physically? Are you weak emotionally? Are you weak spiritually? Then call someone to pray for you, right? God is a holistic God. He's not just concerned about your physical health. He's not just concerned about your emotional health. He's not just concerned about your spiritual self. He's concerned about all of you, the way that you were made, the way that you were created. He loves you and he wants to be there for you. He cares about all of it. And when you're weak, there's instruction of what to do. Right? It says this, Call for elders of the church and let them pray over you. The elders of the church isn't a position here. When, when this passage is written, it's not talking about somebody in authority or somebody that has been elected or somebody that holds a title of elder in the church. Actually, what he was talking about is he's speaking of a mature follower of Jesus with seasoned judgment, right? So someone that has been walking by faith with God, understanding God's truth, being mature in the word, mature in prayer, mature in living out a life of faith. Call those people to you and ask them to pray. Again, it's not a position. Sometimes we want to think, oh, the pastor or the lead elder or 
whatever the positions are in the churches are the ones that should be praying. But this call from James is call, call the people around you who are mature, who can speak truth into your life, who can pray and intercede for you to step in your place when you don't have the words to pray anymore, when you have come to the end of your rope. And please don't come to the end of your rope before you ask for prayer. But that's part of it. It's like when you don't know what else to say, call for the mature follower of Jesus that is in your community, in your family, to come and pray. And then it says this, anoint him with oil. What? Anoint him with oil. So basically, he's saying, pull out the thieves, eucalyptus, lavender, essential oil, right? Pull that out, put it on them, drink it, put it in your diffuser, and be healed, right? No. The, yes, oils in that day had, had a purpose of healing, right? They used oil as bombs, as things to to bring healing. But the reality of what he's saying is it's a symbol. Oil was a symbol back then. It wasn't just this vial of oil that you were like, okay, I'm going to take this and put it on and rub it in, right? Oil was, was used in that day as symbolism. It was a part of the healing custom, yes, but it was more significant it was a symbol of the healing power of the Holy Spirit. It was the symbol of healing power of the Holy Spirit coming and being present. This is how Jesus spoke of it in Luke 4.18. When Jesus first starts his ministry, he steps into the synagogue and he, un- he, he starts to say this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover sight to the blind, to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, this is the work of the healing Jesus. This is the work that Holy Spirit does. He anoints us Symbolically, he comes and he is present. And that's what we're asking for when we say, have them anoint you with oil. Asking Holy Spirit to come and be present. Asking Holy Spirit to come and bring healing. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, holistically, Holy Spirit comes and is there. It's the work of Jesus on the cross. When he says, I, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news. The good news is sickness will be eradicated. When the kingdom comes, sickness will end. The work on the cross, his resurrection is the power that comes. It's not the oil that actually heals you. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the power of God. It is the power of Jesus' death and resurrection that can bring healing physically, emotionally, and spiritually.
It's Jesus that brings healing. And that's why he says, James says, have them put oil on them in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. He continues in verse 15, and the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Again, God's desire is not just to heal you physically and emotionally. His desire is actually to heal you spiritually. Do we understand that we are spiritually disconnected from God because of our sin and our brokenness? And so God's heart and James's heart when he's writing this is like, they can be restored spiritually. They can have relationship with God the Father. They can be saved. So pray so that will they be saved. He's concerned about our souls. Where we're at in here. Where we're at with him. That's why he sets the captives free. Before you were saved, you actually were imprisoned by your brokenness and your sin. But he's setting us free. That is his heart. To be freed. I'm going to keep going. This is too good. Uh, Go to verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Do you want to experience holistic healing? Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I think this is the hardest part of this passage for me because I've seen this passage be twisted so many different ways. And a lot of us who grew up in church actually have been hurt by this passage. And so let me kind of explain it and, and see if you relate, if, you, if you've heard these things before. I've heard over the years that people say things like this. That person wasn't healed because they didn't confess their sin completely. They have unforgiven sins because they're, they have unconfessed sins, so that's why they're not being healed. That's some people's teaching of this passage. I've heard people say that, um, well, the people who prayed for those, that healing, they weren't righteous enough. They weren't righteous enough, and they're not good enough, so their prayers don't get heard by God. I've heard people say, I can't pray for the sick because I'm not righteous. I've heard, we need to call the pastor, we need to call the elders, we need to call like the Pope 
to pray for this person so they can be healed. Do you see how twisted sometimes we take the word and we just read it in a way that the intention puts it all on us? The intention puts it all on like the way that we didn't do things right, the way that we're not good enough, the way that something must be completely wrong because we're, we've just been told just weird things about prayer. So this is where, as I was wrestling this, this last few weeks over this passage, going, what do I say about that? How do I help people understand that their prayers might not get answered? But it's not because they're not righteous. It's not because they're not confessing their sins. It's not because they didn't call the right people to pray. It's just sometimes God doesn't heal here and now, physically. And that's where we have to wrestle ourselves and go, so is God good or not? I can guarantee you, if you go through the word and you read it, God is good, and he's good all the time, right? So there's something wrong with our thinking that we need to adjust. We need to actually give our our wishes and our desires over to God and ask him to replace it with his, right? That's what prayer is. So read this again. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Think about this instruction, the power in this instruction. What would happen if we confessed our sins to each other? If we admitted that to one another that we're putting our faith and hope in things other than God, that we're putting our faith and hope in other things than kingdom. What would happen if if I'm all over the place? Uh, What would happen if you confessed that to a brother and sister and they prayed for you? And you prayed together? More than physical healing would start happening. The emotional, the spiritual the holistic healing would begin to happen because we confess with our mouths what is going on inside. Right? Healing begins to happen. So you can imagine how difficult this last year has been with my family. I have two older sisters and my dad is here and we're taking care of my mom for the last year taking her to dialysis, helping her with her meds, helping, with, helping her eat a good diet, even bathing, all these things. And between the four of us, my two sisters and I and my dad, it gets heated because we have our own families that we're trying to take care of. We have our own jobs that we're dealing with. We have life that keeps going on, and my mom's pretty much dying in front of our eyes and we're trying to take care of her to make sure she doesn't die. So the stress level gets higher and higher. What happens? The one thing that I can say has saved our family is confession. 
When I confess to my sister, I can't do that this week. It's too much on my plate. And she says, well, I'm so mad because I don't feel like people are helping me. You know, and, and you get into these like squabbles, but the confession at the same time is going, I need help. And we need Jesus. And we need to just continue to lean in each other and extend grace and let God begin to heal. You see, in the past, if we didn't confess those things, we'd actually just kind of stuff it and just push forward and move forward until we all explode and nobody's talking to anybody. Right? But in this last year, we've learned to just say, I'm at the end of my rope. I can't do this. I don't have time in my schedule. I don't know how to interact with mom or dad. Okay, then let's pray. Let's ask God to intervene. Let's ask Holy Spirit to give us grace with each other. Let's continue to be honest. Let's continue to confess. It's beginning to heal my family. Places where it's been really dark and places where we don't talk about in our family has actually surfaced and we began to talk about it and find healing. Is it hard? Yeah. But is it the healing that we have desired and wanted? Yeah. In the end of this, that verse 16, it says, the prayer of the righteous person has great power in its working. I can tell you, I am not righteous. My sisters aren't righteous. My dad is not righteous. So how is our prayers actually being effective in its working and empowered in its working? Actually, the righteousness, actually, nobody here is righteous. We don't do the right thing all the time. The only one that is righteous is Jesus himself. And so the only thing that makes us righteous is if we give our lives to Jesus. And we ask him for forgiveness. We ask him to come and save us. That's what makes us righteous. The believer is righteous in their position with Jesus with God because Jesus died for our sins and he rose again and he forgives us so you're righteous do you always live righteously no do you always live the right way during every single day no but positionally you prayed to receive Jesus you're a believer that makes you righteous And your prayer is powerful in its working. You just got to pray to see that power actually happen. There's a common thread in these three areas of prayer, and it's this it's vulnerability. Right? When we can say, my way, my desires aren't working. When we can say, and we're willing to say that to Jesus, and say, Jesus, take this and make it your way. 
that's vulnerable. There's vulnerability in asking for prayer from others. It means you're saying, I'm not, I can't. I need you to pray for me. It's showing them your cards and what's going on in here and in here. That's vulnerability. Vulnerability is to be disappointed when you actually pray and you don't get what you want. You don't get the wishes and the desires that you want. Vulnerability is when you pray for others and you're hoping that your prayers are being answered too. Vulnerability is when you confess your sins and admitting, I don't have it all together. And I'm not thinking the way that Jesus thinks. And not following the way that God wants me to follow. That's vulnerability. And when we're vulnerable like that, God can do something with it. Right? James ends his letter this way. In verse 19, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from truth and someone brings him back, let him know that who, whoever brings him back a, a sinner, whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Guys, we're prone to wander. Right? We wander away from truth daily because we see something else that we think is better than God's way. We quickly forget truth. And we fall into the lies of the enemy and in the world. Part of our role as the family of God actually is to reach out to the brother and sister in our family and call them back to truth to bring them back into the fold of God. Our culture tells us, you do you. You want, go ahead, go, you do you. That's fine. But what James is saying, when you see a brother or sister wandering, go pursue them and bring them back to truth. Bring them back to the Father. Bring them back to the kingdom living again. And that's what our role is. And there's that that one last truth. Healing in the kingdom is found in community. It's found in the family of God. There's no other way around it. God did not create us to do this alone. He created us to be in community and created us actually to lean on each other for healing. We're just not strong enough on our own. We're not. So as we wrap up James and we see this call to prayer, let me challenge you today that you can start today actually to live this out and experience healing. Okay? First, if you're suffering, if you feel 
hardship and adversity, what are we called to do? Pray. If you're cheerful, if you experience happiness and joyfulness, you don't have to hide it. It's okay. Sing praises. Tell people how good God is and what he's doing in your life. Don't feel bad because they're not experiencing it right now. Let them enjoy it with you. Sing his praises. If you're sick, if you're weak, if you're physically weak, emotionally weak, spiritually weak, ask mature believers around you to pray over you. Let them pray for you, it says. It's vulnerable to ask for that. And finally, this week, does a wanderer come to mind? Somebody that's straying away from truth. Does that person come to mind? How are you going to pursue them and encourage them back to truth? Because that's our role as those in the family of Jesus. That's our role. Just do it gently. Do it gracefully. Don't beat them over the head with the Bible. But just go, God loves you. I love you. This is what I'm seeing. We need that. I need that. You need that. So, Again, if you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing praise. If you're sick, ask a mature believer around you to pray for you. During the, the time of worship, we'll have a few people on this side ready to pray for you. If you want to be anointed with oil, and just remember that this isn't magic. Right? The oil isn't magic. It's the symbol- symbolism of Holy Spirit coming to be with you and bring healing to you. Then this is available too when we pray. And finally, don't let people wander. Pursue them and bring them back. Bring them back. As we come to the table, isn't this the picture of the healing work of Jesus? That his body broken for you, his blood shed for you, on that cross, brought healing. So take and remember today while we sing and we give praise. Thank God for that. And if you need prayer, ask for it. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, we ask that the things that we desire, the things that we wish for, the things that we want actually would line up with yours. And so when we come and we are interacting with you, wrestling with you, we pray, Holy Spirit, you would bring truth. Bring truth and push out the lies. Bring truth and heal the areas that have been broken and separated from you. We want to see your power move. We want to walk with you. We want to see others healed. We want to see ourselves healed. Because we know that's what you desire. That is your kingdom. 
That is what you, you want. So let us be part of that, Lord, today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.